And welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Animaniacast. And welcome, everybody, once again to another episode of the Animaniacast. This is the only podcast out there that's dedicated to the animated television series and Maniacs as well as other shows in the Rugerverse, such as Pinky the Brain, Tiny Toon Adventures, and, of course, Freakazoid. I am Joey, and joining me uh, is nobody. Actually, I'm all by myself. My co-hosts, Nathan and Kelly, could not join me, unfortunately. But I've got some really cool stuff to share with you guys. I have got some footage and some uh, audio here highlighting some of the highlights of the Ottawa International Animation Festival, and it was uh, really interesting because we got to see some behind-the-scenes development ideas behind the upcoming Animaniacs reboot. But I'm not necessarily alone today. Uh, In fact, I'm going to be sharing some opinions from some animators who uh, saw the panel and saw the designs of the upcoming reboot and wanted to share their thoughts as well about the direction of the show, where it is going, and uh, whether they agree or not with uh, that direction. Some exciting stuff uh, from this panel that came out today focused mainly on the designs and the really the production process. Uh, only about uh, 29 minutes long, so it wasn't a you know a huge uh, long panel or anything. But next week, uh, coming up on October 11th at I believe 1:05 Eastern, will be New York Comic Con's Animaniacs panel. So this panel, uh, New York Comic Con, is going to be interesting. It's going to have Gabe Swar and uh, Wellesley Wild, who are both executive producers of the series, and of course uh, Tress McNeil, uh, Rob Paulson, Jess Harnell, and Maurice Lamarche are all scheduled to be on it as well. The New York uh, Comic-Con panel should only be about a half hour long, but we're going to apparently get our first look at the new trailer. Uh, Yes, that is exciting news. In fact, I've gotten some uh, stuff from some of the folks behind the scenes. I believe these folks are working at the animation department. They say that uh, there's been a couple cuts of the trailer, uh, and it, it, it should drop soon. And uh, it's looking really good. (laughs) I've also been told that on our uh, last episode, we talked about the uh, Pinky and the Brain script that was visible on the teaser trailer. Uh, And I was informed that that particular script page is old and, in fact, is no longer the ending of that episode. It's been uh, redone several times. So what I read on our last episode is, uh, it's no, no, no longer a spoiler, I guess it's, uh, it's all been changed. And in fact, some of the other lines, uh, that were shown in that teaser trailer look like they've been changed as well. So I think I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think that Hootie and the Blowfish, uh, Napster line, uh, may no longer actually be in the series. So, you know, the stuff that we got teased, uh, you know, it's, it's, this happens sometimes. Production changes, and you never know what will end up in the final product. And in this case, 
some of that stuff isn't in the final product. Well, let's go ahead and get right into the highlights of the uh, panel. So this, again, is from the Ottawa International Animation Festival, and it had Will, Wellesley Wild, who's the executive producer and showrunner, Gabe Zwar, who's also executive producer, uh, Genevieve Sai, who's a supervising character designer, and Roman Laney, who's the art director on the show. Uh, this was all moderated by Ramin Zahid. He's the editor-in-chief of Animation Magazine. Uh, so let's go and get into some of the things that they talked about. The first thing they wanted to uh, talk about really went mostly to Wellesley and Gabe, and it was how they got involved in the show. So let's go ahead and hear what they had to say. Yeah, it was WB and... Steven Spielberg uh, had a list of people they were considering to run the show. And I think the most, and I don't know, I I didn't have the inside track on this, but my sense was that the most important criteria was this almost uh, sort of scholarly thesis on how you would uh, remake the show. Um, And, you know, each of the candidates would approach remaking the show and bringing it into the 21st century and uh, I guess I won the essay contest. <laughs> um, and then I met the awesome Gabe Soir. Yeah, for me, it was like I, I, uh, I was working at Nickelodeon for a long time with Audrey Deal, who's our uh, executive in charge. And she thought I'd be perfect for the show. And ironically, I said no, like three times. I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to like ruin it for everyone that loves it. Absolutely. I, I, yep. I, I, I don't know if I'm like the, the biggest fan, you know, and and. And the more we talked with WB, they thought that was actually a good thing. The thing that I wanted to, the, that I liked about the show was like, I always wanted to do a variety show. Like forever, I've always like pitched variety shows. Like I love the idea of like having a bunch of little things in a show and making them all different and surprising and stuff. And that's, yeah. that's the thing that I was really drawn to personally. So that's what got me excited about it. And then, and then I met Wellesley too. And it was, it, you know, we really connected. Twas love. <laughs> Now, one thing I wanted to point out right there with what, uh, especially with what Gabe um, said, he says he's he was not a big fan of Animaniacs and how Warner Brothers said that was preferable. That made, I don't know about you folks out there, that made me pause <laughs> right there as to say, what? I, I understand that it's it's a good thing that they don't want to uh, piss off the fans, I think is what they said. Um, but it would be more important, I think, to want to please the fans. Again, I, I may be nitpicking right here, but personally, me as an Animaniacs fan, I would appreciate if the executives in charge of a show that I, I love so much actually were fans of the show to begin with uh, and perhaps would have a I, I would be comfortable with knowing that they understood what the show was all about and uh, well well <laughs> Wellesley I'm gonna keep messing up that name Wellesley said that he wrote an essay and that he won, he won the essay contest and that's uh, very interesting I would love to see that essay. I would love to see what he wrote down in the scholarly form of what Animaniacs is to him. I don't know if we'll ever see that, 
But um, again, that is that that's something that made me raise my eyebrows to understand like this is interesting how things were picked uh, to begin with. All right, the next question was talking about how to transition. Uh, an old show to a new world and uh, just kind of getting into the new design of the Warners. I think we knew we were dealing with, you know, the powerful forces of, you know, a huge devoted discerning uh, fan base. And uh, you know, when you have a show that's like as iconic as Animaniacs and beloved, it's really intimidating to sort of be tasked with, taking uh, and remaking the show. It's scary, you know? Um, so many of the original fans, um, you know, they're savvy and they're very protective. And like Gabe was saying before, we're just terrified of ruining it. From day one, like our top priority was, you know, keeping as much of the, the original show's DNA as possible while contemporizing it and bringing it in, into the 21st century. All right. Now, the next part is the part that probably a lot of people are most interested in. So if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, you might want to head on over to YouTube to check out the visuals of this. But they go over the designs of the Warners and how those changed. So uh, get ready to see some pretty strange designs of the Warners before they uh, settled on their final uh, updated design. We actually went through a development process with the show where uh, uh, Audrey tasked me with just coming up with a bunch of different looks. I went with a, with Veal Embriot and she did like a totally left field modern take of the Animaniacs. And then this other guy named Saeed Zemenian, he did like the craziest, like he did like photo collages. And I asked the Cuphead guys, like all the Cuphead artists to take a pass. We did, we had like, MDHR's artists do like a huge pass over like all the characters and stuff that were really cool and different. Uh, we also had another guy named Carrie Yost who did a very classic like uh, Warner Brothers take on it. Uh, another artist called Jen. Um, she were, ended up working on our show, Jen Wood. She did like more of like a French comics type of look. And then uh, fate had it that I was on the same floor as Green Eggs and Ham when we started. And there was a guy there named Levon who introduced me to Genevieve and he's like, you got to get her to do design. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know who this person is. Like, but uh, yeah, sure. Let's, let's see what she does. And we were both really big fans of uh, TMS, the Tokyo movie Shen, which was the Japanese studio that did some of our favorite episodes of uh, Animaniacs. And uh, we really sat down and did a lot of like, bro literally broke down like what they were doing. Um, they would do a lot of like really angular expressions. Um, they would simplify the detail. Like a lot of the wrinkles and stuff were simplified. Um, they made sure that a lot of the expressions were very asymmetrical. Um, they would kind of ignore some of the, the facial perspective to really, um, help with the expression. They would do this great thing where they would, uh, when, they, when the characters would smile or frown, they would hug the outside shape so they get this nice little, like, um, cool, like, yeah, the smile this little thing at the bottom, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and they would, like, the original character designs, they had a lot of, like, uh, uh, the original character designs had a lot of anatomy, and when TMS would do it, they would take out a lot of that anatomy. They would uh, 
like they would have like the original characters had like shoulders and and elbows like the actual thick to thin to thick that a normal human arm has and they would just go thin to thick like we just so that that we took all our cues from that like uh uh jenna you can like be more specific you know you can go into real specifics yeah in 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 ours in our show we went from um because the, the old show is like thin or thick to thin like thicker at the shoulders and then thinner at the wrists but ours go like it's kind of reverse it goes thinner at the shoulders and thicker at the wrists and as well as the ankles and just streamlining the um, like the feet for example the instead of individual toes they it's like one shape um and um just simplifying the like the way Yakos or Wacko's sleeve works um, mm -hmm. and giving keeping the angles in their muzzles um, giving more anatomy to the eyelids and more expression just pushing that face and emoting the mask more you know just <laughs> using that more and keeping it appealing while pushing yeah. the, the eyes was like a was like a mystery like we had to like <laughs> go through all the episodes and figure out like okay what are like sometimes yeah. they're dot eyes sometimes they're not like <laughs> You know, like, like Genevieve came up with this great idea of like, okay, let's make fake, like eyes that you can't see. And then the pupils don't go past that point, you know, even if they're going back and forth. Yeah. And as soon as we got some of the animation back, we're like, okay, let's just not move the eyes. Like, it's better to like, just move the whole head. Cause it looked weird. It just looked yeah. weird. Yeah. And, and we, we basically took like, like stuff we, we saw the weirdest stuff in the original show and put it on one sheet and we're like, okay, how do we avoid this happening? You know, like yeah. weird legs that are too long or like the eyes that are like off the head. Like we saw some bizarre things. And that, I mean, that's what was cool. Is like, we kind of had to like create some rules to kind of like tie it all together. Um, I mean, the one thing that we changed was uh, like Yakko's pants, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, just like making them a little bit more articulate, right? Because like that and, and kind of going back to the, the eye roll, just setting a boundary where those eyes can go and just having them just move. And so you'll, you'll see on the show, they have a lot of different perspectives on their faces and stuff instead of just like sliding across, right? So, yeah. It's like making sure they're not blobby. Like we saw yeah, a lot yeah, of exactly. weird, like kind of out of control animation in the original <laughs> show that was like really blobby. And when we saw the TMS stuff, we're like, okay, why is this being like, why is this, why is this all the, the proportions are like locked in and it's like the construction is so good and it, it, yeah. And it's like, it's, they have so much control. So we're like, what are the things that they do? What are they doing to do that? And it's like, I, one of them was definitely how, how they were like really being very obvious the way that all the pieces are fitting together. And that's where the angles came from. Like it was like, if there's like a, like, one mask going inside another mask, like that's, there's a corner there. Like it's very obvious. And if you look at the original, like other's models, they're like, there's too much room for interpretation. Like I think that's where, when you have a bunch of studios, like doing a bunch of different things, you're gonna get a bunch of different results. And like, we just try to create some rules to kind of tie it all together. Okay, uh, <laughs> I have a lot to say about that uh, little section right there. Uh, but I, I'm not an animation expert. Uh, all I know is what I like and what I think looks good. Um, I'm a little hesitant. I understand their, their want right there to lock things down. 
and to get a specific design and go for that. Uh, and I've always been a fan of uh, TMS's designs as well. I think most uh, fans usually put TMS at like the height of like uh, th- this is the way that the Warner should look. However, that being said, Star Tunes did fantastic Animaniacs animation. And the other studios as well. Even Freelance, in my opinion, as bad as some stuff was that Freelance did, had great moments of Animaniacs animation. And they'll go later in the panel here talking about all the different animation studios that are going to be working on the uh, series. And I've talked to folks on our Discord channel about this but I'm one of the things I'm not looking forward to in this new series is the uniformity of all the look. I I liked, and I still like, looking at the different studios in the original series and admiring the different styles and the different takes. Um, and they just talked about in that little section right there about how weird it was, for them at least, for eyes to move to the top of the head or the bottom and and kind of things like that. And frankly, I always liked that <laughs> in in Animaniacs. Those were some of the things I liked. It reminded me a lot of uh, really what we're talking about, the original source material that uh, Tom Ruger and the other animators and artists were going uh, after the look of style of, which was things like Mickey Mouse cartoons. Um back in the 1930s and those pupils didn't really have those locked in rules necessarily at least from my uneducated opinion from what I've seen over the years Uh, and that is something I'm going to again I'm going to miss uh, in this new era of uh, animating uh, Yakko, Wacko and Dot because it's going to be some, you know, standard, you know, animation like we've we've seen, but some of it is most likely it's going to be puppeted animation, uh, where, you know, there, there's there's good things and bad things about that. But again, that is just my uneducated opinion as a fan. Um, we'll have more on that uh, section later on in the show from actual people who do animate and their opinions on what was said right there in that section. Okay, a little bit more here from the panel. Let's go right back to it. I was a huge fan of the original show, and I remember, like, running home from school just to catch it on TV and, uh, you know, sat in front of TV, like, glued to the screen going, like, I remembered every word of all the songs I can. And so I was, it's so surreal that coming back full circle like actually working on the show it's like whoa this is insane like I was so excited but it's also super scary and daunting because I you know I don't want to like um upset the fans or anything because but uh, being a fan myself I kind of approached it like what would I want to see and um you know talking with Gabe like when he actually came up and he was talking to um you know he was mentioning live on and he came up to the green eggs uh a floor and they were talking about Animaniacs and I 
peeked out and I was like, did someone say <laughs> So I was like, and I think Katie was there with you, right? Katie mm-hmm. Rice. Katie and, Rice, yeah, one of our directors. Right, right. Um, but yeah, and then some were like we were like spitballing together about like ideas and, and uh my my style um just has like kind of an an angular feel to it. So I just I put that on to the characters because I, I kind of kept what I really liked about the TMS stuff. The TMS stuff already was more angular, but um, just streamlined them and push the expressions because I really love uh, really push facial expressions and just, uh, you know, dynamic poses and stuff. So I think I didn't really add too much to it. I don't think I, I, I just feel like that's my, my aesthetic. I just put a little bit into it, but I think what was already there with the TMS stuff and just like, combining all the cool stuff that Chuck Jones already like established in his original style. Like it just all came together like that. And, you know, Gabe had such, you know, we, I, we really gelled in terms of like knowing each other's aesthetic and what we liked and, and didn't like. And so we're like, just, you know, cherry pick all that stuff and put it into this, you know, the style and just keep evolving it. Um, Because the original, the original take that I did look, doesn't look what, it doesn't look like what it is now, but because it's always constantly changing, you know, so, and it was a process, but, um, yeah, it was re- it's really exciting, you know, <laughs> just, it's cool. If you ever put the, the old designs next to the new designs, you almost can't even tell that they're the new designs. There's big changes, but it's kind of like the designs you remember them looking like, not so much what they actually look yeah. like, because if you yeah. go back and look at those original designs there, like really bally and like really <laughs> loose and everything's a curve and it's like and you can look at the 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 TMS stuff it's like they figured it out like they figured out that yeah. there's there's angles and it's a easier to in between and and like that's what we were doing back and forth too is like ma- giving them little hairs made them feel more like animals like there's like little tiny touches that that Genevieve just brought to it that they're they're great Next question really went to Roman Laney, and uh, that was how was the art direction approached for the new show? I think what me and Gabe talked about a lot was like, let's not necessarily look at the at the original show. Let's look at what those guys were looking at. So we went back and looked at a lot of just classic cartoons, um, Warner Brothers stuff, you know, and tr- and really we knew kind of early on because it was a variety show, we were going to do, you know, every episode has at least three or four shorts in it. So we knew we were going to go all over the place. So we wanted to come up with like a style that we felt could be, um, we could do a lot with, like we could generate a lot of artwork for, because the show is just has a lot of new locations and, you know, uh, we go all sorts of places, you know, all the way from space, all the way down the bottom of the ocean. So you had to have a style that kind of was going to work for all of that stuff. Um, so yeah, so I, we looked at a lot of, uh, I really say mostly, uh, you know, Chuck Jones stuff. And then I think there were certain things about the original show that we were, we felt like we're sort of remnants of the nineties that we kind of wanted to stay away from. There's a lot of kind of banana pans and really curvy kind of backgrounds and everything has a little bit, um, I don't know, like they used a lot of airbrush, you know, in the nineties on those backgrounds and stuff. So we sort of wanted to stay away from that and have a little bit more of a crispness, um, to kind of complement the character designs too. you know, what Genevieve was doing, have those kind of work together in tandem. So that was where, you know, we started, it was a great, I mean, God, it was a great brief to get like, Hey, you know, make a cartoon, like the classic kind of cartoons, what kind of BGs would, you know, would you want it to, to have? And it's gotta be, you know, colorful and all those sorts of things. 
those new backgrounds definitely look crisper and uh, clearer, um, but they also look a lot more simplified as well. I'm not quite sure I'm a fan of them. I'm, I'll am i actually go ahead and leave a lot of that interpretation to some of our uh, animators who wrote in um, with their opinions about it uh, when the panel's done, so stay tuned for that. They were then asked about where the animation production was being done, which companies are doing the animation. We have quite a few studios. Um, we've worked with uh, originally we had two major studios. We had a studio in Manila named Snipple. We had a studio in Vancouver, the Titmouse Vancouver studio. Um, we are now, uh, and then we brought on uh, Tonic, did a few segments for us, and they're in Montreal. Uh, we are now working also with Yowza, which is in uh, Canada. Uh, and then we have t- just recently started working with two or three Korean studios. So that's Emation, uh, Tiger, and Gabe, you're going to have to help me with the last one. Say Rom? Uh, Say So we have quite a few studios. The show is, uh, you know, every segment is now kind of going to a different place. Um, so it's, it's quite an international production at this stage. Wellesley uh, was then uh, asked about what the writer's room looked like. And uh, Roman, at the end of this, is asking uh, Wellesley about uh, the songs. And it gets into uh, a little bit about the composers and the music of the show. It usually uh, start off with, you know, the writers. Uh, I'll have each of the writers or the teams of writers uh, submit two or three sentence ideas for Pinky and the Brain and the Warners uh, and some off-core ideas, which uh, are uh, any, any, any segments or characters that are um, not Pinky and the Brain, not part of the regular cast like the Warners. Um, and then, you know, I'll take the ones that are, I feel are promising and have them go expand uh, those ideas into an outline. Wellesley, do you know if you're going to have a song in a segment before you start? Or do you, is that sort of come about as you go? Into you know it? what? It's both. Sometimes an idea will just be uh, a song. Um, the whole idea will be a song and we'll just have a little bit of, you know, a little setup at the top uh, of the segment to set up the song. And then the whole segment's really about the song. And then sometimes there's a pinky in the brain and uh, we're like, wouldn't it be funny if pinky sang a song here? And that, that'll be, you know, in the process, you know, not no, no one uh, had, had uh, predicted that, th- that we were going to do a song uh, in a pinky in the brain or that episode. It just kind of organically came together. We write the lyrics first Um and then generally the whoever writes the lyrics, uh, one of the writers uh, will have uh, a genre or a uh, theme or an, act, an actual existing song in mind for the tune. Um, and then we go out to our music supervisor, Mark Wyke, and he'll take the, the song and give it to, we have like a stable of composers uh, for all different genres and, it's, you know, they have different strengths and, uh, Mark will give it to whichever composer he thinks will do the best job on that particular song in that genre. Um, and then the composers will do a demo, like a rough demo, and we'll hear that. And, you know, once that's approved, um, we go to the studio and me, Gabe, and Mark will supervise the uh, vocals sung by the cast. Um, 
And after we record the vocals, we orchestrate um, and record live players. The composers usually do that after the fact. Um, and sometimes we do, uh, rarely, but we do composer-led uh, song ideas, uh, usually with uh, Animaniacs legend, uh, Randy Rogel. Um, and, you know, he, me and Randy will get together and pitch on some ideas, or he'll have bring me some ideas, and we'll mix it up a little bit. And then, uh, then Randy will work with one of the writers uh, to come up with uh, the lyrics, and, and he'll do the song. Who are the main composers for the show? Um, God, they're everywhere. We've got yeah. Gabriel Scott. We have the Scots. Do we have any in town? Now that I think about it, besides Randy, I don't and think so. We have Bill Clyde, right? They're all over the place, um, around the country, and yeah, some of them are in bands. Um, so if we have a K-pop song or something, like we're like, ah, oh, this, this is perfect for this, or a country song, perfect for this composer. Yeah, yeah hip hop, yeah, yeah, everything. Wow. Um, and then we have. Uh, Steve and Julie Bernstein, uh, who do all the underscore uh, for the show. Um, that's the music that you hear underneath all the action, and sometimes it punctuates the action. Next, they go into talking about uh, COVID uh, and how that's changed the production. And then finally, uh, the biggest challenge and greatest reward uh, about the new series. Yeah, well, I think for the artists, it was an easier transition because a lot of them like a lot of us are used to just doing freelance or working from home uh, production. It's been very hard. I mean, like uh, getting the files back and forth and coordination that by far is like, they took the biggest hit um, and writing too. I think, well, it was like tough to get the room, right? Yeah. There's no writer's room anymore. Sometimes we do like a remote writer's room on zoom or something. I'd say the biggest challenge is coming up with uh new characters and segments that aren't Pinky in the Brain or the Warners. I think for me, it's like, I, I love, it's kind of what Wellesley was talking about too. I love, I love like how diverse and how many different styles we do and like, like all the places we go. But that's also the hardest thing about the show is the density. It's so dense. It's probably the densest show I've ever worked on. And, but that's also the most rewarding thing because you sit back and you watch a whole episode and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is all in one episode. Like, I think it was like the third or fourth episode while I was there looking at it and we're like, this is too much stuff in one show. Like, it's just too much for people. <laughs> yeah, we really, we really jam-packed the, the, the jokes and gags into the show. It also makes it really exciting to create new things. Like, cause it's like every new episode is like, oh, when am I going to get this this time? Like, who can I, who can I like, um, you know, create? It's, it's really fun. It's like a really fun challenge and you get to try new things all the time. So, um, and I think like one of the best rewarding things about the show is just the people we work with. I love this team. Like, I've never been on a team that had such great synergy and just the great culture like everybody on the team is like my friends so I feel just really happy to just be around everyone so it's like that's for me this is the most rewarding uh yeah I mean I think a lot of what these guys are saying I totally agree with and I think it's the scale of the show is I mean I've never had this big of an art team ever it's like a it's a big project to manage um but the team is fabulous and there are days where you sort of step back and realize like we're making this incredible cartoon. It's in those moments where you're finally watching a final episode and you've been so focused on all these little parts of it. Oh, how are we going to get that done? How are we going to get, but then when you get, actually get to sit back and look at it, 
you're like, oh my God, we made this incredibly dense, complicated, interesting, funny cartoon. And, you know, as people who, you know, this is the Ottawa Film Festival, right? So people who love film, people who love cartoons, it's, it, you feel like you're, you know, you're working on something that's really an uh, awesome opportunity and you're super lucky. Interesting to note right there that Wellesley uh, appreciated making new characters uh, rather than uh, dealing with the Warners and Pinky and the Brain. Uh, that's a little uh, telling to me right there that, you know, um, he, he wanted he wants to um, change things up a little bit. No uh, news or revelations about who these new characters were in this panel, uh, but they were quickly mentioned right there. Uh, in case you did not know, uh, original characters uh, from the show other than the Warners and Pinky and the Brain are not slated to really have any major uh, presence in this show. Uh, Ralph the Guard and Dr. Scratch and Sniff, uh, we can assume that they are in. In fact, Ralph the Guard is in that leaked poster that's been around the internet. But um, Slappy, the Good Feathers, Rita and Runt, uh, you know, folks like that, uh, pretty much everybody else in the original theme song, yeah, you're, you're not going to see them. Wonder if we'll finally get to see uh, who those new characters are in the upcoming New York Comic Con panel. We'll have to see. And finally, here we're going to go ahead and go to uh, one of the last questions, which was how closely did the writers work with the artists? When we started uh, on Animaniacs, you know, Gabe and I got together and I was like, I really want to make sure the writers and the artists can work together as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we set out to create that culture and I, and we still are. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it has resulted in some really great stuff. Like some of my favorite things have come out of a writer and a director and some artists like working together or, uh, an artist or director, uh, pitching an idea with a character design that's just hilarious and running with that. I mean, why wouldn't you do that? Right. <laughs> All right. And, that is uh, the highlights right there of uh, the panel right there from the Ottawa International Animation Festival. It's time to go ahead and get to some of the uh, opinions of some of the animators who wrote in uh, about what was said and shown at this uh, at this panel. So first of all, starting off with uh, about Chuck Jones' style. They mentioned that. This person says, I feel like a Chuck Jones style is an overused crutch across so many shows these days it's flat it's uninteresting the show's original bkgs uh i don't know what that means <laughs> were good because they were made to successfully stage the animation not just be a style i think that's what the, what they mean is backgrounds again i didn't write this somebody else did at its core it's a it's not just a variety show it's a variety ensemble show I think these uh, creators wanted to make their own variety cartoon show, but reluctantly had to put in the Warners and Pinky in the Brain to get it done. I don't feel any confidence they have successfully decoded the Animaniacs genome. Animaniacs is not about a visual style or uniformity. It is good-natured irreverence, searching through history and the universe to find humor and fun. The animation is appealing bouncy, full of life, and spontaneity. Hell, even Freelance Limited had its moments. I feel like all that is going to be sacrificed for the sake 
of being on model all the time. I guarantee we will see the same model poses repeated through these cartoons. On model, uniform, not a whisker, out of place. Is that bad? Not at all. It's a great thing for any other show than Animaniacs. But they go on to say one last thing. If you want to see Animaniacs being uniform, look at an ACOM cartoon. That was my least favorite studio. Rigid, no dynamic poses, uninteresting, bad timing, and they stuck to the model sheets more than any of the other studios. Again, it's not that I'm against being on model and uniform. It's just that I don't think that should be the highest priority like it is in the industry now. Personality, appeal, uh, strong poses and expressions, I want that to be a priority. The roundness of the original designs lent itself to making really squishy, bouncing, spontaneous animation that is so much harder to work when you flatten things out and you sharpen the edges. So... That was some. That was some good thoughts right there. I thought um, again, uh, I, not as an artist myself, that stuff did not come to mind. But very good to see that um, that uh, animator did. Uh, we have some more thoughts right here from a, a different person who wanted to also remain anonymous, saying, "In my opinion, the reboot should not use the name Animaniacs, since the reboot does not include." the Animaniacs cast. This new show should be called something like the Yakko Wacko Dot Pinky and the Brain Show. The truth is, those five characters are not, quote-unquote, the Animaniacs. They are members of the Animaniacs cast. Animaniacs is an umbrella title for all the characters and franchises on the show. Animaniacs features the five characters above, plus... Slappy and Skippy, Rita and Runt, The Good Feathers, Mindy and Buttons, Minerva Mink, The Mime, The Randy Beeman Kid, Chicken Boo, Katie Kaboom, The Hip Hippos, Dr. Scratch and Sniff, Ralph, Plots, Hello Nurse, The Wheel of Morality, etc. If those elements are not in the show, the show needs a different name. There we go. So, I'm curious to see what you folks out there think. Um, are you confident? Are you excited about what the what you've seen? Uh, or do you not like what you've seen? Um, I've already given some of my thoughts. Um, Nathan and Kelly will be coming up on the next uh, episode to give us their thoughts as well. Um, but uh, please, feel free to write into the Animaniacast, Animaniacast at RetroZap.com to let us know what you think. All right, well, that'll do it for today's episode of the Animaniacast. And uh, contact information, well, you can get in contact with the Animaniacast over on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And uh, really, you can subscribe to us wherever you find podcasts. Uh, Any player out there, you check it out. If we're not on there, you let us know. You can send us an email by going to animaniacast at retrozap.com. And speaking of retrozap, you can head on over to retrozap.com today to get some great podcasts and fantastic articles every single day of the week. It's your one-stop pop culture uh, uh, mecca. I don't know what to say, but it's a, it's a fantastic place. <laughs> head over there. Great folks over there. And you should subscribe to the RetroZap 
podcast feed. That way you can get every single RetroZap podcast, including this one, delivered straight to your device. And if you'd like to talk to us here at the AnimaniCast, or really any of the uh, other RetroZap podcasters and writers, go over to our Discord group. It's a great positive place to talk to other fans. Uh, you can get a welcome link by going to discord.animaniacast.com. It'll take you right on over there, and you can have some great discussions with us about uh, really anything pop culture. Well, that'll do it for today's episode. So, for Nathan and Kelly, who couldn't be here today in person, but of course are always here in spirit, this is Joey saying, Good night, everybody! This podcast is not endorsed by Warner Brothers or Amblin Entertainment and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Animaniacs, Tiny Toon Adventures, Freakazoid, the Warner Brothers logo, all names, pictures, and sounds are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademarking copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Animaniacast unless otherwise indicated.